Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. And welcome to this live stream that I've been looking forward to for a little while with myself and good friend, financial planner, Luke Hurley, we are here today to talk about finance, of course, but also make it really tangible and really actionable for everybody who's in the audience, because that's the whole mission and that is the whole purpose of Dennis Who Invest, to take real financial knowledge, turn it into something that's easy to understand and easy for dentists to comprehend and therefore empower them to be able to implement it into their life, which is really, really, really flipping cool. So looking forward to that in just a minute, we're going to bring Luke on so he can introduce himself and talk a little bit about what we're going to be talking about this evening which is what assets we can put in our asset just before we do that really super duper interested to know how many people have made it to this live stream tonight if you are here and in the house live at 6 30 this tuesday evening can you please go ahead and throw a live in the comment section so that we know how many people we've got here and that we are able to connect with you and also for you to be able to participate in this live stream because there will be the opportunity to answer, to ask rather questions and Luke will answer them as time goes on. If you're watching this on the replay, go ahead, type replay in the comment section so we know how many people are watching it on replay. Live if you're here in the flesh, watching it this evening, this Tuesday or replay if you're watching on catch up, then what it means is we can tailor the content towards you and the audience on Dentistry Invest with even greater detail as time goes on whilst everybody is typing that let's bring luke on luke how are you this evening very good james very good wunderbar so look there'll be people in the audience who have met you before because i know that you've done a few podcasts on the dentistry invest platform there'll be people who are also in the audience who are yet to meet you one of those two categories so for those people who are yet to meet you it might be nice to do a little bit of an intro about yourself yeah sure so i am ultimately uh, a financial planner i've been working in that uh, space for the last 10 years, helping dentists um, make smart financial decisions. Um, I've been moving more recently into the space of financial coaching, uh, as I find that quite rewarding. Uh, and obviously, we've been working together on on putting together content uh, in the background. We have. We have certainly been busy. And, you know, it's interesting, Luke, because obviously you used to be a specialist dental advisor to the dental community and there was a lot of things that inspired you to take that leap in your career take it to the next level and become a coach um, and that is to say empower dentists to get themselves to a position where they can invest their own wealth independently and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight of course it's not a flipping magic wand you can't just be like poof now everybody has all the knowledge that they need it's a little bit of a journey but where we come in is making that journey as straightforward and as simple as possible by taking all of the information that there is in the world about the subject of finance, 
distilling it down to what you need to know. And then as well as that, honing it towards dentists, which is really, really flipping cool. So on that note, look, let's go ahead and get stuck in. What assets can we put in our ISA to accelerate our financial journey? Well, actually, just before we do that, I thought it would be really interesting to ask. There'll be broadly two types of people in the audience whenever it comes to finance, broadly two categories of dentists. One category of dentists will feel like they've got everything sorted, like they've got a game plan whenever it comes to their finances. Just out of curiosity, how many people who are out there watching tonight would say that they've got a solid game plan whenever it comes to their finances? I'm just curious. I'm just curious how many dentists fall into that category. If you feel like you're in that category, go ahead and type game plan in the comment section. If you feel like there's room for improvement, whenever it comes to your finances. Interested to know, of course, in most things, there's always scope for improvement. What I mean is significant. What I mean is that there is knowledge out there or you feel like there is knowledge out there that you have yet to come across that you believe will really help you. Of course, as I said, that is the whole point of Dentistry Invest. If you feel like you're in that category, if you feel like you've got a lot to learn, go ahead and type improvement in the comment section so we can see how many people fall into both categories and therefore tailor the content like I was saying earlier. But anyway, whilst everybody is doing that, without further ado, look, feel free to go ahead and take the reins. What assets can we put in our ISA? How should that investment strategy look? Sure. Um, if you enable sharing, I'll just share my screen. Absolutely will, my friend. It's all yours. There we go. Okay. So I thought we'd um, we'd take quite a high level view on this. So what I've shared is some uh, some charts put together by a company called Timeline, um, who are quite active in the the financial planning space. They have some really great software. Um, and they're quite interested, you know, got some interesting things to say in terms of um, uh, investment uh, portfolios and how they put together those portfolios. So what we've got on the screen is the historic performance of different asset classes since 1925. So we've got near enough 100 years worth of data on uh, the growth of those different asset classes. And you can see they're numbered and the different colors that correspond with the uh, the key at the bottom. Um, main main ones for me, we've got at the top there emerging markets, i.e. owning shares in companies that are listed in developing economies. You've got global equities, i.e. the global stock market, global capitalism, if you like. Uh, you've got a, glo- a growth portfolio, which is they've, they've really, what they've done there is they've um, merged together global equities, uh, a small portion in, in bonds and some emerging markets. You've got a balanced portfolio, which is the purple line. Um, lots of portfolios out there uh, are labelled balanced. Uh, in this case, what they've done is they've they've um, put together fifty percent in global equities and fifty percent in global bonds. You've got global bonds, gold, UK property. That is to say, uh, capital growth. That doesn't account for uh, rental income if you've got a, a, a rental property. Um, and then you've got cash, i.e. interest on cash deposits. And really, um, the whole point of looking at this is to, just to see as a comparison how those asset classes have performed over the last hundred years um, and what takeaways there are uh, to sort of guide us using history as our guide to work out what we should possibly consider for our long term investment portfolios. Uh, and again, as you know, time horizon is um, absolutely, you know, knowing your time horizon is absolutely vital um, when you come to uh, put together an investment plan. So um, what we can see is 
emerging markets, a thousand pounds invested in emerging markets uh, near enough 100 years ago would now be worth 18 million pounds, incredibly. Uh, global equities, a thousand pounds would now be worth 14.6 million pounds. Uh, growth portfolio, 8.2, portfolio, 4.1. What you have demonstrated there is the power of compound growth, um, the growth on your growth, the snowball effect of um, growth over time. Uh, the longer your time horizon, the more time you've got for your money to compound. Um, for me, uh, when you put together an investment portfolio, there's different layers. We've talked about this in the past on, on your podcast. Uh, at the bottom layer, you have your um, the, the underlying assets, the asset classes that you want to, or the mix of assets that you want to put in your portfolio. The next layer up, um, you've got the funds that you're, or the I should say the vehicles that you're going to use to access those asset classes. For most people, that's funds, which are really collective investments. Um, so pooling uh, investment uh, money from investors and putting it into a fund where you'll then have a fund manager or a fund management company uh, running that money. The next layer up is the type of account you choose to use to invest. An ISA is an example of that. Uh, a pension, i.e. a SIP, is another uh, type of account that you might choose to, to invest through. And then the final layer on top of that is the platform that you use to gain access to those accounts. And through those accounts, you gain access to your funds. And through your funds, you gain access to underlying asset classes. But the very first de decision that an investor should make is what asset classes do I want to ultimately end up with in my portfolio? Um, and asset allocation is responsible for, depending on what research paper you look at, sort of 80 to 90 percent of your um, investment uh, returns um, from your portfolio. So it's it's absolutely vital that you make that asset allocation decision and put, put a lot of your energy and focus on that. Thank you, Luke, for talking about all the things that you just mentioned. And you know what? When it comes to our dentistry, we want evidence-based dentistry, right? Like that is the main MO that we want to operate out of whenever it comes to how we help our patients. We want the stuff that we know the data says works. And investing is exactly the same as that, which is why I absolutely love this chart. And I talk about it a lot and I share it with a lot of people who I know want to understand more about finance and tonight is definitely a really good example of an occasion where we are doing exactly that so here's the thing whenever you look at this chart whenever you see the data staring back at you it's literally a measurement of the appreciation the average appreciation of all of these wonderful assets since effectively records began since the very the the very early uh, 20th century in 1920s and you know when you are making decisions with regards to what assets should go into your portfolio don't you want them to be aligned with the assets which have the most histor historical data to demonstrate that they consistently appreciate at over over time at the greatest rate well heck yes you absolutely do but here's the here's the kicker why is it that most people don't yet have a nice portfolio which aligns with this data that we see in front of us look because that's a really common one right and in your experience as a formerly a financial advisor and currently a financial planner it's oftentimes that people's people's ISIS portfolios they're not actually orientated to get them the greatest returns that's right um i don't think they necessarily have done the planning stage they've just drive uh, dive straight into the portfolio building stage whereas uh, I always advocate that people should go through a, an initial planning uh, phase where they work out what the money's for, 
what their goals and objectives are, what are the time horizons that are tied to those goals, um, what's their risk profiles, uh, and that should then feed into the uh, asset allocation decision. For me personally, when looking at asset classes, uh, you you should think of things in terms of growth assets and defensive assets. Um, A rational investor is um, it's about finding a, a balance between growth and defense. So if your time horizon is, is shorter, then you need to be slightly more defensive because you don't have the time to allow your portfolio to recover should there be uh, a temporary market decline, i.e. Uh, you know, a stock market crash. Um, so de- defensive assets would be, uh, well, the prime example on there is, is bonds. So you're, 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 you're introducing bonds in a portfolio to dampen down volatility. Uh, it's really much sort of you're, you're watering down the, the potential volatility, but as a result, you're watering down the potential long-term returns because historically bonds over long time periods have underperformed equities. So equities are your growth assets. Um, and really make, making your asset allocation decision is deciding how much am I focused on pure growth and how much uh, do, you know, do I need to bear in mind um, you know, the, the, the defensive position of the portfolio. If, if you're a long-term investor and you're willing to set and forget, then the rational investor is going to put all their money towards growth assets. Um, as long as they're not um, <laughs> particularly risk averse and, and there's a danger of them being scared out of their investments and making the great mistake, which is selling during a temporary market decline. So um, if you're a long-term investor, you're going to tilt your portfolio towards growth assets. Global equities are a prime example of that, equities in general. Um, but global equities, you've got the diversification of spreading the money over different geographical regions. Um, and bonds really are there for emotional comfort. They're there to dampen down volatility for shorter term uh, time horizons. Cash for me is either uh, to to be used as an emergency fund, so say six months of outgoings, or for short-term goals. So if you know you need to to access and spend the money within, say, five years, then you're going to tilt your uh, your savings towards cash. Um, But for long-term investment portfolios, the rational investor is not going to hold lots of money in cash because inflation is just going to erode it. Uh, It's going to eat away at uh, at, at your hard-earned money. Um, And, uh, you know, you're going to end up with less money in real terms uh, once once you factor in the uh, increase in the cost of living. Thanks for that, Luke. Guys, we want to keep tonight's webinar powerful, impactful, and punchy. We've probably got time for one, maybe two tops questions. So if anybody would like to ask any questions to look to avail of this amazing opportunity to benefit from Luke's knowledge and experience, feel free to go ahead and type those in the comment section and we will get back to you very soon before the conclusion of the webinar. Just while everybody is thinking of some questions, Luke, I had a question and this might be a little bit of a curveball, but I'm hoping that you've got some figures and numbers on this front. Just how much difference can it make to our portfolios if we're overly weighted in bonds or our portfolio is not as fully comprised of equities as we like it to be? Is there any figures or numbers you have in terms of how much it can cost us in terms of opportunity cost with time or how much it delays our retirement? Bye. I don't have exact exact figures to hand, but and again, it depends on... on um your your starting point if you look at historic data in terms of when you when you started that journey but look as i say with with history as a guide the long term rational investor is 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 not going to um sacrifice the growth that's that's potentially on on the table and has always been on the table for the long term investor 
directing money towards uh, global equities. Um, bonds are great for giving short-term, um, you know, uh, you know, they're great for as a defensive asset for, for short-term portfolios. Um, but for for a long-term investor looking at multi-decade investing, um, it's uh, you are, as you say, sort of it's, it's the opportunity cost of of um, leaving money sat there and risking exposure to to, to inflation. Um, in the same as cash bonds, because of inflation, will will lead to um, less money in the portfolio over potentially over uh, sort of. 10, 20, 30, 40, even 40 years for somebody that's starting out and putting money in a pension. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, the, 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 the long-term position should be how much can you put into global equities without uh, running the risk of being scared out of your investments because of the volatility that you will endure, which is is key to understand. And that's why you know, we, go, we, we spend a lot of time looking at um, or talking about risk and talking about temporary market declines. And you can see on the chart here, um, the historic UK bull and bear markets, it's always worth putting things into perspective. But there's also a chart on here, uh, which I just want to show you, UK bear markets. If you do go into equities, yes, there is plenty of growth historically that, that's, that's been available. Um, but you, you do have to be willing to sit tight when there is a, a temporary market decline. And those temporary market declines could be uh, as short as a few months. Um, so the global pandemic is on here on number 11 there. You can see three months before uh, a portfolio worth £100,000 would have recovered its its value. Um, or it could take considerably longer in the case of um, uh, number one there, which is the Great Depression, 70 months before uh, a portfolio would have would have seen a recovery. Now, that's an, an extreme example. Um but it's worth always bearing in mind that, yes, the long-term investor that directs a portfolio towards global equities should see um, uh, positive returns, but the, 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 it's not a smooth journey. It's not a, a, a straight line. You've got to be willing to sit through the temporary market declines and sit in your hands and not react when when things are, aren't going to plan. Uh, on there, you can see number seven, um, 1972. So that was the oil crisis, uh, which was really an embargo. Um, by Saudi Arabia on uh, on oil uh, saw a huge shock to to the to the global stock market and in the UK this is the UK stock market uh, huge um, declines in or temporary declines in in the stock market um, very topical that was a response to due to a uh, number of countries giving aid to to Israel so quite topical at the moment and that was their response was to, to place an oil embargo and it just sent shockwaves throughout the throughout the uh, throughout the markets. Um, you had to wait a long time to to get your your, your portfolio back on track. Uh, but if you're investing for 20, 30, 40 years, then you've got time on your side. Good stuff. Good to know. Well, you know what? I think we could actually derive some quick figures from that very first chart that you showed us. Look, and I get that this is obviously a, over a very long time frame, like 100 years. And most, most people's investing careers is maybe 20, 30, 40 years, something like that, from the time that you start work to the time that you retire. Effectively, so in this example, over 100 years, a fully bonds portfolio with £1,000 initial investment in 1926. Is that the precise year? I believe it is. 25, I think, is the start point. 25. 1925 to 2021, if you had a fully bonds portfolio, £1,000 would now be worth 
564k, whereas a fully weighted, uh, a, a, a fully, a fully 100% global stocks portfolio. Of course, we have to be careful. It's not just any combination of stocks. You have to just go a few layers deeper on this, don't we? Look to uh, be able to get the get these stated returns, but these are certainly these are certainly a good example of what can be achieved. Uh, a global equities portfolio would be 14.6 million. So let me just do some quick math there. We're probably talking about uh, about three times as much, really. But no, no, sorry, 30 times as much, actually. 30 times as much because you've got the zero, uh, which turns that into 5 million. And then if you times that by five by three, that's 15. And it's just shy of 15. So that's quite significantly more. It's a little bit less than 30 times as much. So really everybody's returns in their portfolios, they're operating somewhere between those two numbers should they be long-term investors. And the point we're trying to make is that really until we know this stuff, we could be inhibiting the returns that we achieve from our portfolio and therefore delaying the point at which we achieve financial freedom, which is the whole goal and objective of investing. Look, we're going to wrap up around about now. Is there anything that you'd like to say in conclusion? No, just the final chart that I've put on here just shows the percentage of positive periods versus negative periods. So if you look at global equities, historically, in terms of calendar years, 77% of calendar years during that time horizon have been positive. 77% of the of the years, 23% have been negative. Um, so let's just say if you're willing to sit through the one in four bad years, then you, you'll benefit from three and four good years historically. Um, and uh, long may that continue. Wonderful. Look, thank you so much for your time tonight. And guys, congrats on everybody who attended. This information is really useful. This is the stuff that you can use to expedite your financial journey, which is the whole point of Dennis Who Invest. Anybody who has been watching tonight, if you feel like you're in a place where more of this knowledge would be able to benefit you, go ahead and type strategy in the comment section. And Luke and I can get in touch with you very, very, very soon about how this can be achieved for you. It's all about knowledge. It's all about empowerment. Certainly, the more knowledge you have, the more empowered you are and the better investment decisions you can make. It's been wonderful to host this this Tuesday evening. As I say, we have a lot of fun being able to stand on this side of the camera and talk to everybody on the platform about investing. These will be a regular feature on the Dennis Invest channel, which we're really looking forward to. We will be back next week with a, another special guest. His name will be David Hossein. He's going to be talking all things tax. It's another one to look forward to. Like I say, I've had a lot of fun tonight. Luke, thank you for giving up your Tuesday evening. I'm sure we'll have you back on the platform again very soon. Thank you, James. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.